Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 75th episode of Alchemy Answers, which is technically a podcast. Yeah. Where we answer questions from patreon.com slash Dota Alchemy supporters. And we always have a lot of questions. And over the last couple of months, they have legitimately gotten kind of insane in a good way. They've, they, they're all, we all, this always goes a lot longer than we expect. Yeah, we've actually gotten some really good content out of these streams now, I feel like, because uh, the questions are really, I feel like they're taking us up to the next level because they're asking like really insightful. Yes, yes, exactly. We don't need to do any things. work yeah. <laughs> because the people that are asking the questions are coming up with the really good content. Yep. Uh, which, you know, makes sense. Makes sense. It's like they're the the viewers, you know, the, the people that consume the content. They know the they know best what the best content is because they're the ones watching it and wanting it. So it makes sense. Uh, okay. Anyway, starting with the questions. Cato uh, Nuno, tell me if I'm mispronouncing that. I'm absolutely sure I am. Says this week I noticed that after the rank rules update around last month, region preferences were reset, and I was queuing into EU East, EU West, and Russia. And I could barely hold a 50% win rate, more like 40%. And it was mostly me getting tilted by crazy teams and binging. <laughs> okay. I could see how that would start a binge streak. Yeah. Uh, when I swapped back to EU West only, I stopped losing. Have you ever noticed something similar to this? I find that regions, some regions take the game less seriously or they don't speak English. Uh, of course, Russian servers will speak Russian and tilt more easily. This is aggravated by the fact that I have a 65% plus win rate before that. Uh, have I ever experienced something like that? I definitely have like a 20% win rate to Europe, but that's more so I would say ping. The, the ping and also the ping tilt does tilt me where somebody will be last hitting and you know, they just, they just body you on the creep wave and they act so cocky and, and, you know, it's just like they're owning you in last hits because you're literally playing like four times the ping as them. I, I totally understand how Brazilians and Peruvians feel playing to US East now because, good lord, it, it is frustrating. Somebody is like they 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 play with this cockiness, and it's like you motherfucker, I'm <laughs> playing on ping. That's why you're bodying me here, man. Come on. Yeah, I mean, so it tilts me. I have had a few games where uh, recently where I'll just have I'll be somehow just on a team that's only speaking Spanish. And I'm just like, why am I put on this team? I have English as my preference. I'm queuing in US. And for some reason, I'm the one person on my team who speaks English and everybody else is speaking Spanish. And it's got to be just kind of like, I don't know, either a bug in the matchmaking system or something. But either way. Uh, those games can be fairly tilting because Dota is very communication-based, especially if you're a support player and you're trying to be like, hey, can we do this? Can we go here? Oh, and then God. nobody's listening to you. So I can understand why you would tilt in those games. Yeah. Communication is very important. And uh, I would even say that there are pretty significant regional differences in terms of play style. Like between NA and, and SEA, for example, you've got one that's just like kind of slow and kind of like all about solo farm whereas the other one is more about like solo outplay and aggression and then you've got like an organized game in china and then in europe it's fairly organized but i don't know i feel like there are pretty significant regional differences you know in china regions. in china all pick they pick the exact same 10 heroes every single game people are so try hard like that 
that's why I feel like that's, they don't play all that's, pick there. They play. That's why they play random draft yeah. because people are people are so cheesy with their picks. Right. This EU versus NA thing, I uh, my girlfriend thinks that EU is garbage. She keeps queuing to EU, and she's like, it's always the easiest games that I've ever played. And I definitely feel like there are certain things that EU players do not punish you for. Like EU players will just run into you and fight no matter what. If it feels like it feels like you you never have to really be worried about some EU anti mage farming and just and just cutting and that sort of thing doesn't happen as much in EU. Like there's no there's no like creep wave shenanigans. Everybody tries to like play lanes. Everybody tries to uh, everybody tries to fight if they, like anti mages and stuff will show up to fights instead of like just you won't have some like Ritsu or something mm-hmm. who's just at your t- at your tier three cutting on anti mage delaying the game like that annoying shit doesn't happen that's probably Um, why alliance was so strong at ti3 because they're european and they were like the only european team that actually split pushed right everybody else was showing up and balling up and fighting and alliance is doing this crazy shenanigan stuff yeah maybe maybe but you know there's certain things that are easier certain things that are harder i think it's i think it probably evens out to to be about the same there is one argument though for just like how the how like elo match making works in general in that if you're if you're like 7500 mmr you're almost top 100 in na but in in europe if you are i think 8400 or 8300 or something like that is top 100 in eu so obviously that's much higher and the question is is a 7.7k player in eu the same as a 7.7k player in na I, no. I think that would be I, I think that would be an, an insane claim to make. Yeah, I I think that wouldn't make any sense because you have these two completely different distributions. What are the chances? A seven point seven k EU might be better. It might be worse, but it's something. It's different mm-hmm. because to be the same is an exact point. To be less or more is many different points. So it's it's just it's to me it seems very unlikely that somehow Valve has balanced it or it's perfectly worked out. The seven point seven k is the same in both regions. And Ellie seems to think that uh, 7.7K in NA is better than 7.7K European players. Huh. Interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm writing an article on why NA Dota is kind of a laughing stock right now. And I've been asking various people and talking to people. And I was actually looking at all of like the TI histories and stuff like that. And looking at various statistics of like regional population in terms of playing Dota. And from what I could tell, there's basically like 15 to 20 X games being played in Europe and Russia than there are in America. Definitely feels that way. And so like, it's just it's hard to overcome something like that where you just have you know the the cream that rises to the top in Europe is just naturally going to be like more refined, more punished. Like they had to go through a much more brutal uh gauntlet to get there because if you're, you know, if you're better than 200 players, if you're better than everybody but like 50 players in NA, then you just, you know, you're you're there, right? You're you're at the top, but if you're like this, I don't know. This is kind of I'm sort of describing it poorly, but the point being is like the amount of people that can reach the top in NA is a lot like less punishing to get there, I guess, because there's less good people to play against, and so you can just abuse the people that are worse than you more. Sure, sure. 
I don't know if that's if that's correct. That also that also depends on your outlook because yeah. depending on who you ask, I mean, let's face it, most people who are at low MMR think it's harder to get out of their bracket than it is to play True. like a higher bracket. True. Because you're carrying idiots. So your team is bad as well, depending. So it depends on how you want to look at it. So maybe you could argue in NA, you need to solo carry a lot harder. It's like mm -hmm. taking the weights off. Like there's so many ways of spinning it. All, all that I want to conjecture is just that it's different and that there's no way to say one is better than the other. I think it's really, really hard to do that. Um, and then also there is the fact that, okay, so going just very quickly touching on that. I know you're going to do interview me about this or whatever, but I think a big reason that NA in terms of like tier one, tier two Dota is so bad is because, you know, for me as somebody who, who played uh, tier two for uh, quite some time, it was almost impossible to sustain doing that without doing videos, without doing Twitch and things like that. And then, in, you know, in Europe, there's these just random teams sponsored by a droid and just random organizations, Vegas Squadron, stuff like that. And, you know, they can afford, they can pay them like 500 bucks a month and then they can live off of that. Mm -hmm. Whereas in, 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 in NA, the cost of living is so much higher. And there's not a lot of support here either for, for like esports. You know, it's just not, it's not big here in Canada. I, I have not seen a land center. I've never been to, a, I've been to one land center and that was the one I was with, uh, uh, with you mm -hmm. in Toronto. That's it. I don't think there is even a land center in the city that I live in. Yeah, they it's, don't even exist just, in NA at all. It's just it's just very behind here. So I think just the infrastructure here is not great for esports for whatever reason. And it's getting better. Like college Dota is way more of a thing now. Certain colleges are offering scholarships and stuff like that. So it's getting better. And I'm very grateful for that as a North American esports fan. But uh, definitely in Europe and especially in Asia, there's a lot more support for it and it's way more of a, a serious thing yep anyway uh little void says henry mentioned on stream oh god anyone that follows guides like immortal faith or tortellini will never gain mmr i do realize this is dota and if you don't talk in absolutes people won't listen this is true uh but what do you think about using guides such as the aforementioned even if you don't follow them to 100 percent every game First of all, why are you using any guys that are not ours? Because we have yeah, them on. for all the heroes, and come anybody on, who totally. uses Immortal Faith or Tortellini is actually just like a tier 5 pleb, basically. Come on. What are you, 2k? Yeah. What are you, Herald? Yeah, you want to be a Herald for the rest of your life? Don't doubt me, guys. Go for it. Wait, wait a minute. Promise. No. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, so I think... Following a guide is fine. I, I I feel like what you should do instead of following those guides in game is you should be looking up to see what pros are doing because it's almost impossible to keep. Donnie could tell you this as the person that updates the guides. It's almost impossible to update the guides to be the most recent relevant builds. It's it's like that's going to happen like two weeks to a couple months later after the builds change. So good luck doing the next level build. For instance, I bet you can go to like these Queen of Pain and Ember guides and stuff like that. It's not going to say Blade Mail. Yeah. It's not going to say Blade Mail right now. But if you're if you're building Blade Mail in those heroes and the people in your bracket aren't, it's free MMR. It's a broken item. Pros have discovered that. It breaks the game and everybody needs to start doing it. So I would say go to Dota 2 Pro Tracker. This is one of the single best resources for getting better at Dota. Seriously. Uh, thank God that guy made 
the site and he's been improving it too, which is cool. Cause I think he saw, we mentioned it a bunch, but we met like people, content creators started mentioning it. So he's like, Oh, maybe I'll work on this project a little bit more, which is amazing, yeah. but amazing resource. Look to see what pros are doing. And it's not that confusing because if you see like CC and C doing something, for example, on Ember, everybody's doing that. So it's the same thing as a guide, except you're just looking at it in a different format. So that's what I would say. Those guides are, are, I understand what Henry's saying. And I agree that you don't want to follow them to a T. And same thing, you don't want to follow what these pros are doing to a T. Sometimes you need something different in another game. But uh, still, you should have a framework. You can't just have no baseline for a hero whatsoever. Yeah, I want to just give a little bit of perspective for what goes into making these guides and why they end up being out of date on a pretty regular basis. So when I first started making them, I made them all for Pugna. And it was part of my job to keep them up to date. Um, and you know, for Dota Alchemy, I remade them because I wanted to continue doing that. I, I like the fact that we have offered an alternative to Tortellini because, I mean, while his are good, I, I think that mine are better, just objectively. Um, and the reason for that is because I literally, when I, when I first started making them, and even to this day, I would go and look at every single hero individually, and I'd go to Dota Buff, I'd go to Dota 2 Pro Tracker, and I would look at 8 to 10 different pro players. And I would look at probably 20 to 25 games for each hero. I wouldn't watch the whole replay, but I would look at the end screen, look at what builds they were going, look at the item progression, that kind of stuff. And I literally spent, I mean, I don't even know how many hours at this point, but every single hero I did this for. And every major patch, I would do that again. So, you know, every three to four months, I would spend another 20 plus hours working on this. And so... The fact of the matter is, all I'm doing is distilling all the information that the pros are doing on Dota 2 Pro. It's not me. Like People are like, why should I follow your guides? You're only divine. It's not me. I'm literally taking 20 of the best players in the entire world and their item builds and then just kind of putting it all together into one item build that suggests, you know, this. these are the options. And that's another thing that you need to keep in mind with these item builds is that it's it's going to give you, you know, like 10 different options for aggressive items. Obviously, you're not going to build all 10 of them because that would be completely stupid. <laughs> you're going to pick like one or two of the aggressive ones, a couple of the defensive ones, and maybe one situational. And that's how you have to use these these item guides. As far as the skill builds, those ones, like I put them in there because I just basically follow what the pros are doing most of the games. But I think skill builds are one of the most fluid parts of the entire game because some games you're like, hey, I could use an additional 5% lifesteal right now. Or, hey, I could use an additional, uh, you know, this percent farming speed. Or, hey, I could actually need my healing ward now and jug. But in, in this game, if I go two points in crit with a Mask of Madness, I'm going to be able to solo kill anybody. But if I don't go any points in crit in this game, it doesn't matter because all I need to do is sustain in lane. Like, the, the skill build is so situational, in my opinion, that following those i think is probably a mistake most of the time basically we both get what henry is saying yes. i get where he's coming from yeah. i definitely get it um Slorical says whenever i attempt to pull the big camp towards the small camp as a pause five uh, it feels like it gets interrupted easily how can i prevent this should i be stacking the small camp more most people do honestly most people do because what you're describing is a problem for everybody uh, should I be doing something prior to the pull to increase my chances of success? Your core should. Your core should be protecting the pull. And that's it, like there's m multiple ways of solving it. 
and you just want to look for one. If your core is a moron and not going to help you, then you want to stack the easy camp. Or, I mean, if your core is being an idiot, well, then send double waves into the enemy team. Don't even stack the easy camp. I'd rather somebody pull than, than not pull. Uh, also, could you talk a little bit about dragging the creep wave as a pause for in the offline? I see people do it, but is it, it just to, to, is it just to send two waves at once? Why is it better than simply one wave like usual? When and why should I do it? Is it like an ever game thing? What heroes is it better to do it with? Who should I do? B basically, you're wondering about creep pulling. Uh, okay, well, with creep pulling, the reason people do the double wave now, the reason I do the double wave now is there's there's a few reasons. So when you grab the second wave, you can pull in a way where they can't chain, they can't pull it to a neutral camp. And even if they did to like interrupt your creeps, then the the creep wave annihilates a neutral camp because it's a double wave, right? So basically two waves is really hard to stop. You can ca camp two waves right in front of your tier three or tier two, and that'll clean through like three, four, five depending on how many waves you want to do and where your other hero is, it can clear through so many of your waves. So a, a double wave is just way better for denying the enemy team massive amounts of waves. I would say you want to just pull a single wave if you just need a, a, a couple of minutes, like just a very short amount of time of having a free lane. But the double waves are for when you want the lane to be free for a long time. It's it, it that that's that's basically it. It's just short versus long. Um, when do you actually want to play the lane? If you never want to play the lane in terms of they just let's say you're Timbersaw versus Monkey King, then keep doing double wave pulls because that's going to get you the most bang for your buck. Yeah, I mean, it basically just comes down to like you could play a lane that you have some percent chance to win, or you could just not play the lane and have a hundred percent chance to get farm, right? So just simplify the game. It's why people don't pick heroes like Lion. I mean a lot of people pick Lion and they lose the game, but it's why the pros don't pick a hero like Lion as a five. Because they could just pick a Snapfire as a five. They could just pick a Lich as a five. Those heroes completely simplify the game because you don't have to like massively outplay the other players to be able to have any impact. Yeah, exactly. Ginny Johnny, this is a chat question that I wanted to answer. What's the main difference between high divine and rank 1.5k players? Jenkins, can you please answer this question? I think high divine players will take literally any fight. Anything. They just run at it, no matter what they are. And I think rank 1.5k players are a lot better at dodging fights. Um, that's that that's at least from my experience seeing Ellie go from rank 3000 which is basically divine in america to rank a thousand is that she she's she got a lot better at like picking and choosing when to actually fight the enemy team it's it's such a big thing it's such a big thing people don't realize yeah so many people let the games just be decided by the random arbitrary team fights that happen mm -hmm. and it's like okay well where's the choice where's your actual impact in the game happening if your ability to press spells and that totally random engagement Okay, well, what what like if if you're on a plane that's plummeting to the ground, does what you do in the plane matter? Not really. No. You can scream. You can pray to fucking Jesus. You can you know jump out a window. Either way, you're dead. And that's the way I see these team fights: is that you're spell casting in a lot of these fights. It, it takes one bad fight and you lose. 
So your spell casting in that one disaster of a fight doesn't matter because the, it was a disaster. The, the sheer fact that you're taking the fight is a disaster and you're going to lose because of that. That's why you need to get better if you want to gain MMR at choosing wh when the fights are terrible. But divine players like run at every single fight. Yeah, it's, it's one of the reasons why in replay review, we often will just say it like, all right, you guys didn't pull this lane. So what's the point in looking at the rest of the replay? You know, like what's what's the point in in you know focusing on anything that happened after you just monumentally screwed up the game by not doing something incredibly simple to fix and yeah it's the same kind of thing as, as taking bad team fights like they have to have purpose there has to be a trade happening there has to be a reason for a team fight for you to risk losing the game basically because every time you take so a team fight there's a risk there's just like a fight there's no objective there there's it's a support ogre dying to start. It's just some random stuff happening, and people are just like, "Ooh, I want to fight. Fighting is fun." It's like, "Oh, okay, it is fun, but you're gonna lose." So, right. Hopefully, that's a fun thing for you. Is it actually fun if you're losing? Because it's not. Not, really. not usually. <laughs> you think some players in lower rank don't belong in that MMR. Very, very rarely, and if that is true, it's only by a couple hundred MMR. Yeah, I don't think anybody who's who's two to three k that says that they don't belong there is delusional, it's completely delusional. And until they break that delusion, they're not going to improve I straight agree. up. And and that's okay. It's totally okay to once again. I've I've spoken about this so many times. In Dota, there's a period where you build an ego, and you need to have that in order to have confidence. But it needs to break again for you to improve. There's like ego, then you go into like a learning mode where you're vulnerable and you don't have confidence maybe and you don't have an ego and then you learn and then you get better and then you get an ego and then you own people. There's the periods of learning where you stagnate and then there's the periods of having that ego and confidence where you are lower in, in a lower bracket and you improve and you play with confidence with the things that you know. So it's totally fine. But anybody that's stuck at a rating for for years and, and says that they don't belong there is is delusional, whether it's because they're tilting or because they play with high ping like there's a reason for it right mm -hmm. just because the reason is an obscure one doesn't mean there's not a reason for it and it's not fixable there's yeah. always something that things don't happen for no reason you know it's it's like there's an explanation for everything yeah i i also got to respond to this this question in chat from uh from tuxedge tuxedge tuxed edge tuxed age whatever anyway um he says what does he say? <laughs> Let me find it again. My team will flame me if I don't fight. Okay. Why do you care what your team thinks? Let me ask you that question. You've never met them. You will never talk to them ever again. They're completely irrelevant non-people in your life. That yeah, they're probably, they're probably real pieces of shit, too. Who cares? They have zero impact on who you are as a person or the rest of your life ever. So why do you care what they think? Just mute them and do the correct thing. Like this, this whole my team will flame me. They'll get upset. So, <laughs> you know, who cares? They care. You shouldn't. Dude, this one time there was like some tiger at the zoo, and I was staring at it, and then it just growled at me through the, uh, uh what's it called? You know, the plastic or the glass bars. or whatever it was. Yeah, and I just started laughing at it. It's like, you fucking idiot. You're a stupid animal in a cage. You know? And then I went on with my life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's your teammates. They're animals, okay? 
and they're in a cage and you're not, and you're just walking through the zoo and you happen to see them, they're a spectacle at the bet at best. You know, you're not the zookeeper. You don't care. Yeah. Anyway, awesome time says I'm a tinker spammer. Okay, we're moving on. Just kidding. Uh, I have 750 games and 61% win rate overall in the hero. And I know all the ins and outs of him. He's my best hero by far, and I'll often last pick him if there are no counters thus far. So tempted to move on. Uh, that being said, this leads to my question. In your recent mid-tier list, you talked about Tinker being complete dog shit. But what about, in general, people like me? What if we spend the hero so much, we pretty much know every little nuance about them? How much does the meta matter in that regard if you can get a good game for them? How much does a hero being bad matter in comparison to how well you know the hero? Am I grieving by picking my best hero just because he's bad in the meta? No. No, no, it's and, fine. With with cheese picks, it's fine, I think. And I, I think it's like, it's only bad if the hero that you spam is terrible against like three or four very popular heroes like if storm was very popular if zeus was very popular very popular and good let me say if storm and zeus and like ember spirit and one other gap closer maybe void spirit whatever if they were all like being picked in every single game and you're just constantly picking tinker into these heroes that might be a problem but yeah uh so i mean the thing is with mid you're like last pick right so right it doesn't really matter what you pick as long as it's a free game for it. Yeah. So yeah, Tink Tinker's fine. I think Tinker's not that bad. I think Tinker's actually not that bad. My big problem with Tinker is that if you get destroyed in the early game, TP scrolls are now 90 gold. So you can't do the thing where you would just farm by TPing to base, buying a new TP, rearming, and then farming like stacks. Because the amount of gold, you just lose gold doing that. Right. So before you would gain a bit of gold and you would get a lot of xp from doing that and you would eventually get your travels so if tinker has a bad early game you, it's so terrible now it's so so terrible you need to stack you need to prep for him but uh his value does go up in like the late game because of how much tp scrolls cost and of course tinker me makes it so that you don't need to spend as much gold on those and enemy team needs to spend gold to go deal with tinker's lanes and, and so forth so tinker is in it he's he's in an okay place i think also in pubs, I feel like any hero that just naturally uh, kind of gravitates towards split pushing and like splitting up the enemy team is very high value if you're good at them. Yep, agreed. I think a lot, a lot of heroes that are popular can do that. Nature's Void Spirit, Ember Spirit, that sort of thing. Yep. Caesar says, I have 1,000 games with Pudge and over 60% win rate with him, and I always first pick him. So yeah, it matters more who you uh, who plays the hero than... If the hero is good in the current meta, okay, that was just a response to awesome time. I think that's a garbage hero. I think somebody said who's worse, Pudge or Medusa. I think Pudge is the worst hero in Dota. I I love that hero to death, man. But oh my god, is it bad? It feels so useless. Oh, I used one hook. Back to fountain for me. All right, Bradley Dragon says you had your team yell at you for. Have you had your team yell at you for supporting? Yep. Oh, okay. Sorry. This is actually in brackets, which I think means he was responding to somebody else. Because mm. uh, he also said, what fantasy world do you come from? Uh, okay. Goodness. Scrolling down. Scrolling down. Lots of not questions, which is cool. People answering questions, so we don't have to do it. Uh, okay, here we go. Fuzzy. While stacking with my man Mira, after we fed a few games and looked for good excuses, we realized that our focus is actually significantly worse when being on a full voice call. Okay, yep. this is interesting. Our yep. theory is that if you over-communicate, your comfort play is going to suffer 
and it will be a bit like playing a new hero. I have seen that happen to other people as well. Our solution is to play without dedicated voice chat next time and see how it goes. What do you think about this effect? You ever feel like uh, communicating too much has hindered your play? I, I love definitely, this. I love yeah, this. I have definitely 100% experienced this playing competitive uh, where the, t the team is all talking too much and legitimately the eventually the realization happens where everybody's like, okay, we need to stop talking. We need to treat this like, like it's a pub because in pubs, people don't talk that much. Mm -hmm. It's usually just like, okay, I'm going to do this five minutes later. Okay. I'm ganking mid shit like that. You know, right. it's almost to the point where I've like considered coming up with some sort of automated or macro system for a team where you can put them in separate channels for laning and then only move between the channels when you want to communicate with the other lanes, something along those lines, <laughs> or, or some sort of you're in the same channel, but you can communicate to your laning partner by pressing one hockey or communicate to everybody by pressing something else. Just because like in the laning phase, you hear so much shit from your top lane and your bot lane. It's like, I don't want to, I don't care. I don't want to hear that shit, right. you know, but no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Like I, I, I had like, I was spamming games with Henry. I was spamming games with like a couple of other friends. And, uh, I felt like I was playing way better when I was in solo queue and I was winning a lot more when I was in solo queue. And I think a big reason for that was because when I was playing with some of these people, I was focusing on like the social element of the game. Right. You're kind like, of like talking shit and like, just, you know, memeing a little bit, like talking to them about random stuff during the game. Not necessarily. Yeah. Focused. Yeah. I definitely was doing that with Nusham today when we were playing Valorant together. And like the, the first, I was playing a couple solo games before I played with him and his friends. And I was like, you know, I was doing pretty well. But my communication was like, hey, I'm smoking this. Hey, I'm going this way. Hey, they're over here. Last guy over here. And then when I'm playing with, like, Nusham and, and his friends, we're like, hey, let's go this build. Oh, look at this guy. I'm going to go teabag him. And, like, just, you know, talking about random stuff that's completely irrelevant to the outcome of the game. And I definitely played way worse because I was just kind of, like, not caring. I was I was playing for fun instead of playing to win the game. I yeah mean, yeah yeah definitely uh and also uh, if you listen to any pro team talking there's not much being said like watch true sight you know it's right. it, that's ti that is the most when are you what other situation are you going to say a lot of shit it, it, ti is like the place where you're going to kind of nervous talk and even still they don't say much and it's all very basic communication yeah we can kill this guy i'm coming top stuff like that so yeah, I think I think overcommunicating is definitely a huge issue, and and it's it's a skill to be able to keep it to a minimum while still saying the important stuff. Yep. Nugget says I think. Uh, okay, he's actually answering the question. Uh, so let's see. Loey Val says I have a secret dream to learn to play Ember mid. I just love to learn heroes in and out, and usually play only a few heroes that I'm comfortable with. I also take. I also currently play only position three. For me, learning a hero takes way more than one patch, and thinking Ember stays relevant always. This is true. However, my mechanics are not pro level, and I'm currently Guardian. How difficult is Ember? Uh, would playing Ember in unranked be fun at all? Or dude, okay, Ember's just fun to play. Period. Ember's like the most one of the most fun heroes in Dota. Yes, play Ember, dude. Loey Valley, you can play Ember offlane, man. That's a legit thing. That's perfectly okay. You can Ember offline. He's a stunner. He's a he can be a tanky guy. There's like he, he can build pipes and and vessels. Ember's so versatile. It's ridiculous. 
100%. Play Ember, any role. That hero's good in any role, maybe barring five, but I think people have even played at five. Yes, play it. Uh, let's see. Somebody's a little salty about Tinker and Pudge. Too bad they deleted their comment. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, what are some of the most common things that 3K players struggle with that if they were to fix slash pay attention to them, they would climb in MMR? Read that one more time. Sorry. What basically three? What a three K player struggle with that are common, and oh. if they were to pay attention to them, they would climb a march. Basically, what's the pro biggest problems in three K? Stop taking completely trash fights for no reason and <sighs> get objectives after winning said fights instead of going and hitting creeps. There are, the <laughs> there are honestly so many problems at three K. Yes. There are so many problems after having experienced some of the lower brackets in unranked and so forth recently, I can say if 3k players are like bots, I, I would say just don't hit jungle creeps. Yeah. Literally don't hit jungle. Creeps. Don't find some, if you're going to hit jungle creeps, do it on the enemy side of the map. And anytime you can hit a creep wave instead of a jungle creep, hit a creep wave. And you will, that is legitimately a thousand MMR it, because people don't do it in that bracket. Yeah. at all everybody just jungles the camp nearest to their base and eventually the enemy team runs at them the wraith king runs in with a radiance and three items and then like oh nice we won the fight randomly cool we win now run out of tower probably after hitting a few more jungle creeps so yeah i i, I would say don't hit jungle creeps that's that's the big thing yeah i actually want to answer this question from chat real quick um which is basically just how do you how do you end the game and i know that this is an extremely difficult thing for people to grasp below god like below like 5k probably um and it really just comes down to like you can be very aggressive and like pedal to the metal until the towers are down but then once it once it's time to go high ground you have to kind of chill and I think that people don't have the patience to do that, right? They think that, okay, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning, we can just win the game. Like, no, you, have, you win, 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 and then you use that time that you've bought yourself by winning the early parts of the game to just kind of, like, get stronger while the other team is not. And I think that that, that sort of lull period where you have to, like, stop just diving them constantly that does not happen in low in low rated games that right. low period doesn't exist yeah you have to just like sit on their high grounds like in their jungle and in their triangle and wait for them to come out and then kill them you can't just go into their tier threes tier fours it's not possible and so you have to in, instead of being hyper aggressive and just going forward 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 you have to just kind of like control you have to be passive aggressively passive almost to some extent where like you're keeping the waves in but you're letting the enemy team make a mistake and you have to just do this for like three to five sometimes even 10 minutes before you're actually strong enough to go high ground because you know it's, it's very hard to go high ground in a tier three is when you're level 11 you know <laughs> sometimes you have to be level 18 to actually do that sometimes you need a roche and you need a bkb and you need auras and stuff that you just don't have at 15 minutes into the game because you've been owning so hard that you're ready to go high ground but you can't it's just not possible. The tower does like two heroes worth of damage to you, and that's not sustainable to push into. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the yeah, I mean, 
Just kill like a 15k gold lead before you go high ground. It's yeah. pretty easy. It's really easy when you have a tower advantage and a gold lead to just keep getting it. It's boring and slow, but you win. Whoosh bar. Uh, okay, actually, sorry. I think Lil Void had another question here. Uh, Lil Void says, I'm currently 2.7k MMR and started playing seriously a year ago. Uh, back then, calibrating Guardian 2 didn't feel so good, so I started actually trying to learn. I've climbed a bit, and it feels like I'm getting better. The thing is, I smoke hash pretty much every day <laughs> <laughs> and have done so uh, on and off for quite some time now. So my question is, do you think I could gain a significant amount of MMR if I stop smoking hash? I know you're not psychologists uh, focused on cannabis's impact on the brain or anything, but it would just be funny to hear your th theories. I have played Dota Stone before. I was fucking terrible. Like I can, okay, here, I can give you an example. So this is for me. I, I don't know how, it, I think they've done, from what I've read, from what I've read in my brief studies of weed uh, is that it affects people's brains differently. Some people get yeah. hallucinations. Some people get auditory things. Some people get anxious. Like, so for me, but for me, it's bad. Uh, I was playing Smash this one night and I was I was dumpstering. I was dumpstering my girlfriend, which really pissed her off, by the way. She's better at me uh, when it comes to Smash. And we were drinking, and I was playing with my buddy too. So we were all drinking, playing Smash. I was fucking destroying them with King DDD because I'd been practicing mega hard while I was pooping, which, by the way, is a lot. I poop like three or four times a day. I always sit there, play Smash. So I get a lot of practice. So I was destroying them. And then we're getting drunk and getting drunk and getting drunk. And like it was like I was getting better. The more I was getting drunk, I was getting better because I think I could I could handle it a little bit better. My girlfriend was getting so much worse. And then my friend Derek was getting worse. And then we smoked a little bit of weed. And Ellie didn't smoke any. And Jesus Christ, she three-stalked me like every single time. And I just did not want to play any. I was so slow. By the time something like something would hit me and then a second would pass and i'd be like uh, like trying to move my guy to dodge it or do do my shield or something like that it was like this delay that was there and the alcohol did not have that effect on me for some reason or at least i didn't perceive that effect of the alcohol maybe it just makes you stupid so you don't see that but with the weed oh jesus christ it was awful and i try to play dota stone too i sit there at the screen staring for like five seconds before i realize that the game has started you know <laughs> i'm just thinking thinking about like you know, how do these people watch like My Little Pony? It's not even a good show. It's like late 2000s or something. So it doesn't, it's some bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, and so, yeah, I mean, it depends on who you are, but for me, it fucks me up. No way. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like it kind of depends on your, your tolerance to whatever substance it is, as well as just like how it affects you personally. Uh, I definitely, I can understand how it could make you much worse because sometimes there is like a time dilation effect where your reaction time is just way slower. I've definitely had that happen to me. But then other times you are just like, I don't know, like too hyper. And then sometimes you just need to chill. And so maybe it's good in that sense. I will say that uh, generally speaking, I don't think that any sort of like high effort mental activity like dota in terms of problem solving is necessarily better i think people think it that like weed makes them more creative and stuff like that and i don't know if it's necessarily true uh but i would say if you have like a habitual process that you get creative from then maybe it's better to do it but at the same time like if you were to just like not have any mind-altering substances 
and develop a new habit to be creative without it, you might be more creative. I don't know. It's hard to hard to know that kind of stuff. But there's crazy theories on this stuff right now. People are yeah I looking mean, into all sorts of things with, with with like mushrooms and stuff as well. Yeah, this, you know, affected it has on the mind like, positively speaking there are you know there's lots of musicians who swear by it, like they have to have this drug or this drink or whatever before they can you know write a song and for them that might be true but who knows if if they hadn't gotten into that habit you know 30 years before 20 years whatever it took them to get to that point where like that was their routine routine to get creative maybe they would still be creative but they just wouldn't need the crutch so who knows yeah, exactly. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing. Not enough information. Uh, anyway, you should talk with chat for five minutes. I really have to take a leak. I was trying to hold it, but there's like fifty more questions, so I'll bear it back. Five minute leak, huh? That's uh quite a leak. Are tanky supports broken in pubs? Uh, they certainly can be. Depends on your on your rating. I feel like having hard to kill supports is uh generally pretty good because most people don't pay enough attention to stopping them from casting their spells how much do i hate jenkins depends on the day i'm 1k mmr what's the most important thing i can do to gain mmr spam one hero until you understand the game better uh what at headset is that it is the mh50 i think that's what it's called and uh i have an antline audio mic It's like the studio headphone one. Gaining MMR at 3K as a support. Uh, enable one core. Don't try and win the game by yourself. Is Marana a good hero to gain MMR with? Are you good with Marana? What's my MMR? 4,700 at the moment. I was looking at that for my podcast. Uh... Hello. Sorry about that. It was... Uh, it was. Uh, you can die from that, you know? From not, from not using the bathroom. Uh, do I hate Jenkins? Yeah, a little bit. Um, oh, hey, man. Welcome back. Did you? Most All slept right. on hero? What's the most slept on hero right now, Jenkins? Most underrated hero. We should do a video on this, actually. This is a great idea. Thank you for the piece uh, of content that we're going to do now. Good, good, good question. We haven't not done an underrated heroes video in like a long time. Yeah. Um, let's see. I feel like a lot of them people is Weaver considered underrated still? No, or... no, people are picking that in high MMR. People are definitely maybe Bounty Hunter, some some random hero like that, like BH. I think uh... it's going to be a hero that is not played because everybody's stuck to it being in a certain role that it's probably oh. not good for anymore. Like, Maybe like Chaos Knight, something like Chaos Knight. I think Sven Offlane is really good. Yeah, that, I could see that. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Let's see. Chaos Knight, Sven. Uh, let's see. What are some heroes people think are garbage but should just be pl played in another role? I do feel like we're kind of due for a a, a patch, definitely after these uh current tournaments are over because what? i feel like a lot a lot of heroes are figured out what about core wyvern 
No, that's definitely not an underrated hero. I would say that hero is really well respected by basically sure. every professional player in the core position. Okay, cool. So fucking good. Okay, Whooshbar says, if I am doing bad in my lane, say I'm off lane and my support and I have died a couple of times, we can't really approach the lane because the enemy is too strong, we will just feed again. The solution feels like don't die in the first place, but since we are here, how do you be useful? I feel like in those situations, I'm useless all game if my lane is bad. Start cutting waves and have your support go do something else. That's what you do. Yeah, if you if you go into a lane and you're supposed to do well, and it starts off poorly, just uh, go into damage, like mitigation mode. Like don't don't continue to play the lane aggressively when you're behind all of a sudden. Like if you if you're supposed to be ahead to win the lane, and you're behind, just stop playing like you're ahead. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> you know, don't just run at them because you you think you're stronger, but you're not actually stronger anymore. And feed. That's the best way to lose games. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. Just Change the lanes. Do something different. Don't do the same thing. That's almost always the solution in Dota. Is just try something else. Yeah. Somebody go jungle. Somebody cut waves. Double up the waves. Just have your support go try lane. Something like that. Pacasis says, at what point do you realize a hero is no longer working for you? Either in the current meta or perhaps no longer working for your playstyle. Maybe it's three losses in a row or losing five out of seven. Or maybe it's uh, laning just feels worse. Team fights are rotating. So I pay a lot of attention to the professional stats of like how well our hero is doing in pro-level pubs. Uh, that gives me an indicator of whether I'm just shit at the hero or if I'm good at, or if I'm uh, the hero's bad. So if the hero's got like a 46% win rate and I lose like, like you said, three games in a row with it, or I just lose them, if I have a 20% win rate with the hero over a week and the win rate's not good on Dota 2 Pro Tracker, I'll just say, fuck it. I won't play that hero anymore. That's kind of what my threshold is. But if the win rate is good, such as for like Beastmaster, the win rate was good and I had an abysmal win rate with it, I kept playing it to just kind of learn it and practice it and get a feel for how people played on the current patch. And then my win rate went up because I respect the stats and I respect that pros are winning with a hero and understand that even, you know, as a, well, 7K player or whatever, I'm still shit, you know? There's still so much so much room to grow i'm 7.7k mmr right now and the difference between 7.7k and 8k is astonishing like 8k players are legitimately so much fucking better getting in 8k games i embarrass myself it is ridiculous within the brackets how much like a couple of hundred mmr can mean in terms of in terms of difference so yeah you might just be shit out of hero and it might still be good and i wouldn't like chalk it up to uh the hero being bad quickly without Checking the stats first, basically. I do like want to say though, the that best of the best are doing. Some heroes just don't fit how you want to play the game, like, and and you need to recognize that also, because I think right now for me, like, I would say that in the past I have been a pretty good Earthshaker player. I've had very good win rates with Earthshaker at times, but right now, the way that I play Earthshaker isn't working. I I think I've lost like six out of my last eight games on the hero. And I know it's a popular hero. I know it's being played well by the pros in a lot of pro games. But the way that Earthshaker is played in those pro games, the way that I know how to play it, is not working very well in pubs. And instead of playing Earthshaker, I'm now picking a hero that does fit the play style that is very prevalent in pubs, which is like not AFK farming for a Blink Dagger 
for five or six minutes because at least for me this has been my experience Earthshaker needs his team to give him a lane at some point so he can get a blink dagger and if you don't get your blink dagger at a certain time then it's very hard to show up for fights at the right time and if you don't show up for fights then what's the point of even having Earthshaker instead I pick a hero like Void Spirit or Tusk or something like that who can just like be in the lane kill people in lane snowball with those items get some auras be useful for the entire game without needing this period of kind of being like not so useful and to me i just want to be able to do that whereas and, and it could just be that i'm just really bad at picking the times to farm on earth shaker i was gonna say like, i feel like you're i feel like you're screwing something up if earth shakers well, well exactly that, that's the thing but the way that earth shaker needs to be played okay. is not how i want to play the game it's not how i'm interpreting the game needs to be played right right and that's fine i think yeah. that's fine i definitely agree with that i think that's i think that's totally fine sometimes Sometimes you just have to cut your losses and, and say like I can't play this hero, right? But um, and I don't, for... I don't, I don't think it's necessarily forever because there's been times where I've had like really shitty win rates on heroes. Like I was really, really low win rate on Axe for a while, and then I changed how I was playing and learned the hero in a different way, and now it's one of my best heroes. Like this, these things can happen, but if you're like. You just have to kind of be honest with yourself. Don't say, like, this is my favorite hero. I'm obviously good with it, but I'm just losing. Like, that's not real. If you're losing, you're losing for a reason. There's something. Yeah, yeah there's there's something. There's something. Uh, okay. Louis FR says, what mechanics do you think players lack most in Below Legends, Legends, Ancient, Divine, and Immortal? Um, so every bracket? Okay, we already kind of talked about a couple of these. We said Legends. Don't hit jungle creeps. Legends hit jungle creeps and nothing else. Legends are bots. <laughs> no offense to legend players, but the good news is it's easy to get out of the bracket if yeah. you just don't do bot-like behavior. Because legends, a lot of the time, are people who have played the game for a long time and they have really set in stone way, a set in stone way of playing the game. Autopilot, right? Yeah. Legend seems like a lot of people are just mad autopilot. So if you are looking to improve that already is ahead of 99% of people in that bracket because you're not going to be on autopilot. Yep. Um, Ancient players are... Man. What, <sighs> what is an ancient player? Because I've been recently playing a lot of ancient games and I feel like it's just consistently bad team fighting. Just always random team fights. You know what? You know what? The problem with ancient and I consider ancient and divine to be pretty similar. Uh, maybe that's just some bias or or. I definitely don't think it changes until like maybe divine four or five because four or yeah, five is like playing divine, a mortal game divine. pretty much. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So like, I would say with ancient and divines, one of the biggest problems is these people have gargantuan egos. Yeah, these people. They know they're at the they they know they're above average at the game. They know they're good at the game compared to the average person. But if you go to the gym once a month, you go to the gym more than the average person. For God's sakes, if you go to the gym once a year, you might go to the gym more than the average person. I'm not sure what the stats are. I think most people don't go to the gym. Yeah. You know, so it's like it doesn't make you an expert at the thing, but because it's they're better than average and they played for so long and their metal looks cool. I don't know what it is. People in ancient and divine are think they're really good. And so they don't, they don't look for mistakes that they're making and they just blame. And there's this like plateau that always happens with these people. 
Um, whereas I think you go higher and you get to like rank a thousand immortal players, they know how shit they are. Uh, you get to rank a hundred players, they know how shit they are compared to pros. Like I saw this uh, graphic on the Dota 2 subreddit of just the brackets and the what people think of the different brackets, and it's like Legend, Archon, whatever. It's like wow, I'm just, this game is cool. I'm bad at, I, I'm so bad. And then Ancient Divine, it's like people that are like, oh, wow, I feel like I know everything about this game. And then you go higher and higher and it goes down again yeah. or you realize how little you know. The higher and higher you get, the, the more you realize how much more there is that you can do and the 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 little amount that, that you know. And I think that's very accurate. I think that's very accurate. And I would say, to me, that's one of the most frustrating things about playing uh, in Ancient and Divine is that people think that they're way better than they are so they're super set in their ways and they're they're super absolute when it comes to i'm gonna make the shitty play right now because my way of playing dota is the best way and it's like okay i'm sure you're not bad i'm really sure you're not bad but good god dude there are so many brackets above yours <laughs> yeah today i had uh i i, I kind of hate giving anecdotes from my my games because i feel like i do it a lot but this one was pretty like exact uh, example of what we're talking about which is i was playing off lane and i got the lane to come in front of my tower and there was like three or four waves coming in because i was an axe and i said hey zeus can you go do something else so i get solo experience and he didn't and so then i asked him again hey zeus can you please go i need solo experience and he didn't and i asked him a third time hey zeus can you please go do something else i need solo experience and he said are you sure and i said yes and then at that point the other support in the other lane was yelling at me on microphone, telling me that I shouldn't tell supports how to play support and that Zeus needed experience and farm too. And I was just like, what is happening right now? Like, I'm actually winning the game. We're playing. <laughs> I, I'm allowing you guys to win the game by winning the offlane right now. And I was just being berated for playing the game correctly because this guy had a different idea and thought he was correct. And it's just like, yeah, just why? Yeah just maybe that's the most <laughs> frustrating thing i guess i guess uh, i can give you something that's more like of a of an actual mechanic in the game that people don't do or a concept and uh, one thing that i noticed playing with like ancient and divine players is that ancient and divine players play a lot not to lose rather than to win and uh Ooh. the re the reason i remember this is because i was on a smurf right so i'm you know this guy doesn't know that he's playing with somebody who's like 7k or some shit so he's arguing like i'm in his bracket mm -hmm. uh which i totally understand you're in a bracket somebody says something it's like why should i believe you you're you're my bracket why would you why would you be right if you're in the bracket so i totally understand and i wasn't gonna be like oh i'm jenkins or i'm 7k or something like that because right. that's, that's just a real dick move but uh this guy was like just sitting in the base on lich just sitting and the enemy team was like not uh not in front of our high ground yet but they were like they're preparing to kind of push high ground and basically what i saw was this guy just went afk in the base and accepted the fact that we were going to be pushed into our base and i was like we should smoke right now the enemy team is going to split up they're going to push all the lanes they're going to try to farm they're going to basically keep us in the base and 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 he was like no that's dangerous and he dude he went off he went off on how bad of an idea it was to smoke and how risky it was. And all I said to him was, dude, what's riskier? Sitting in our base and slowly losing 
or smoking out, potentially winning, or losing fast. I would rather lose fast and do something that's fun and potentially game-winning than sit in base and get fucked for 20 minutes straight. And so he he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. And he just spam-pinged me when I was, like, out on the map cutting waves and trying to do stuff. It's like, man, the, the crazy thing is, like, if you're not doing this in 7K games, you lose uh, every game. Even, six, even 6K games, you get flamed. It's like, what the fuck are you doing sitting in base? You're okay with doing nothing at right. all? Yeah, I I actually think that that's a very interesting distinction because I would say that from like mid-ancient to low divine, there is a very heavy sort of focus on criticizing everybody but yourself. And then once you get to like mid-divine to low immortal, what you're saying of being afraid to lose the game is extremely, extremely detrimental to people. Like there is a really, really high percentage of people that are playing not to lose every game. And it's so, it's so defeatist. It's yeah. so defeatist and I hate it. And like I said, I'm not trying to sound like a dick, you know, I'm, I'm smurfing. I'm a shittier person for doing that. Uh, but, oh my God, it, it's given me such a perspective. I totally understand. I totally understand why people are like, I fucking hate my bracket. Yeah. I get it. I still think you can get out of it. Yeah. I still think I still think you can gain MMR, but I get why people are so fr frustrated. These people are assholes and they don't know a fucking thing about the game. Right. And yet they're still assholes like they know everything about the game, like they're pros. And it's like, oh dude, I wish I could just be like, you little bitch. I played <laughs> professionally. I played with Arteezy, man. I'm a, I'm Jenkins Dota. Don't you know who I am? But no, that's a, that's a real that's a real. Thing. And yeah. it's just it's just so sad to see people give up. Like, just play to to have nothing happen. You just you just you're just giving up. Why play the game at that point? Right. Why would you log on World of Warcraft if you don't want to grind? If you don't want to kill some bosses, do some PvP? I'm gonna log on World of Warcraft to sit in a in a in Orgrimmar AFK on a mount. Why would you do that? There's always a purpose. Yeah. But it's like in Dota, people just wait for the timer. People wait for the for the game to end. That's always my question for people. Like that's that's like probably my most commonly asked question at this point is I'm just like, why did you queue for this game? Just be honest with me. Like you Dude, don't, don't want to play it, so why did you queue for this game? Yeah, it doesn't yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And I get it. I, and once again, I get it because it's that these people don't know that that's an option at that point. Right. And, that, and that's what I, that's what going all the way back to not me rambling frustrated about the people in this bracket and how, cause I play with my brother-in-law and I, 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 tr I try and I want to play with him cause he's really fun to play with. He's, you know, one of my best friends, but, but it's like, I cannot fucking stand the people. So I'm, it frustrates me to play those games just because of how mean people are straight up. They're mean. Anyway, going back. Uh, so if you're in a divine game and an ancient game, and people head down a lane to push high ground. Everybody will just sit in base and defend the high ground. If you're in a 7K game, somebody will be cutting a creep wave behind them, so they have one wave to do that instead of 10, instead of 10 waves. Mm -hmm. uh, and then somebody will be pushing somewhere else. Somebody will be getting an outpost somewhere. Like, shit will be getting done out on the map, whereas in Divine and Ancient games, people are like, oh, time to defend high ground. No, 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 no. One person needs to do that. Everybody else can go make it so that the enemy team has one 30 second window to push that to push that high ground. Mm -hmm. And and it's so crazy to me seeing in so many coaching sessions that the enemy team is just sitting outside of high ground. 
wave after wave after wave after wave comes in. It's slowly but surely there's just the high ground gets chipped away at or some fight happens. And it's like, this shouldn't even happen. Why right. is why do these people have such a window to push this high ground right now? Why doesn't somebody just smoke behind and cut the wave? Why doesn't the queen of pain blink behind? Why doesn't the person who's farming out in their jungle just go behind? Nobody does that. Everybody just sits and accepts their fate. Oh, guess we're fucked now. No, you're not. Right. Anyway. And sorry, we've been going on for a while on this. No but, problem. Whatever. But it's just Fuck. kind of the same thing that happens all over the place, right? The other team, it's, it's people basically letting the other team dictate what happens. The other team says, all right, we're going to group up and push tier two. And all of a sudden, your whole team just kind of gravitates. Oh, we have to go defend this tier two, even though it's better if you're just pushing the other lanes, getting farm. Who cares about your tier two mid? You can't defend it. You know, like, that's what happens. It's just basically the same thing as saying the other team says, we fight here, we fight here, we fight here. And you just let them tell you what to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very bad. Very bad. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Nugget says, in the recent-ish video, Alchemancer72, I think, there's talk about spamming heroes to learn core mechanics, uh, which sounds like a good idea, and I'm going to try it, but at what point do you stop? Pro players typically have large hero pools. You don't see OG and Liquid players spamming one or two heroes, even within a tournament. Uh, they can play several. At what point can you expand, or is that ability part of what makes you pro? So one thing you have to realize is that all of these pro players have played the game for like 14 years, so they have mained and and spammed a hero into the ground at one point if they're playing it even the young ones they've all played dota one they've all played han they had some history of competitive gaming they 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 have the experience yep. uh so yeah you have to spam uh at what point do you stop once you feel like a hero is second nature and that it, if that hero that a hero that's simultaneously like overpowered and you've spammed it if that hero feels like your absolute best hero and that you can just get free wins with it that's when you can stop and just go back to it for fun or go back to it when you want some wins and then move on but then when that hero comes back into the meta you need like two or three games so you're back up to speed on it and then eventually after like it's a long time i know but after like two years of the meta constantly shifting eventually you will have a really huge hero pool and uh, that's when you'll be like a six seven k player legitimately is if you can if you can get 20 heroes to that point, mm -hmm. then no matter what the patch is, you will be able to play at, to an extremely high level. And that's when you'll be basically professional, uh, semi-professional level player. And I know like two years sounds like a long time, but you'll, if, if you truly are spamming heroes for two years, you will be, you could go pro if you wanted. I mean, I mean you, you might, you might fail at it, but you could try. Here's the thing. Like if you can get to, let's, let's just use Luki Luki as an example, right? If you can get to 9k playing one hero, you can get to 9k. Can you get to 9k playing a second hero? Probably, but you'd have to then play that hero as many times as you played the hero that you got to 9k with, right? So if you look at somebody like GH, when he was on Liquid, he, uh, I loved, I love giving this example because it's, it's one of my favorite examples of a pro player like putting in the work. Yeah, with Earth Spirit, where he was like, when was it TI TI seven when they won? I think he only played like Earthshaker and Coddle and like maybe two other heroes. His hero pool was tiny; it was not big at all. Baby Dick hero pool. And so during the T the the off season between TI seven and TI like and the start of the TI eight season, whatever. I'm not entirely sure on this timeline, but something like this. He played 
literally like 70 straight games of Earth Spirit. And he probably lost like 25 of his first 40. Yeah. But then he started winning. And now Earth Spirit is probably like his third or fourth best hero. And so suddenly he has this other hero that he can pull out in these pro matches because he's extremely good at it. So I, I also just think that what you're saying about, you know, all these massive hero pools of pro players even within the pro scene, there are hero pools that set themselves apart. For example, mid one. Mid one is one of those people that you literally feel like you can just give him any hero and he's going to be fine on. And there are maybe two or three other pros that I can think of like that. Even, you know, even Arteezy. It's like Naga every game, Terrorblade every game, Wraithing every game. Like within a meta, he'll play like two or three heroes and that's it. Yeah. Yep, definitely. So yes, spam heroes. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, scrolling down, there's a lot of discussion about this topic. Uh, if I missed your question, please flame me on Discord. Uh, Mira says, this may sound obvious, but what kind of niche does Earthshaker currently fill? I used to be a huge Shaker fan, but that was a few hundred of MMR ago, and I don't feel like I can have the impact on the hero that I used to. Heroes like Clock feel a lot better because they are strong enough to man up on enemies, while Shaker feels a lot weaker. Also, sometimes the enemy heroes are pretty beefy, and those games it feels difficult to make a difference. I think Shaker's kind of like a, a defensive hero on the laning stage, uh, whereas a hero like Clock is trying to be the aggressor. And, and Shaker can be an aggressor to some extent, but it's more of like uh, you block somebody off and set them up with a, a well-timed stun to get a kill. Um, and then you still need to find impact while you are trying to work your way towards like the big team fight ultimate. And at that point, you basically just become an ultimate. Like your 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 point is yeah. to like you have to just be very patient. Anytime there's a team fight that's about to go down, you need to find the perfect moment to land your echo slam. That's what the hero is. And like right. you, you still want to land some fissures here and there, but you never fa- you never sacrifice the other team knowing where you are. Uh like to land a fissure if it would make it so you can't land like the game winning echo slam right that's 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 the niche of Earthshaker. Yeah. Uh, you're also like a uh, i would say like if you need some chain stunning guy he's really good for chain stunning people ganking with with teammates yeah because you can fissure from fog and then enchant totem and it's really good like setup so Earthshaker's like initiator in terms of that for ganks and then counter initiator for team fights and he is like the best at it. So yeah, uh, I I think Earthshaker is really good. I think uh, I know Donnie was saying he doesn't like playing Earthshaker. Uh, I like I, it. I, I just haven't. I haven't been winning with it. That's sure. Why. So I I think I think if 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 somebody's incapable of winning with Earthshaker right now, it's because it's not being played right. Because yeah. I think that hero is insanely strong. I think it's ridiculously broken. Uh, I think that there's a lot of fighting that's happening. I think Echo Slam's insane. I think. Uh, in the laning phase, the way Earthshaker likes to play is perfectly fine. Fissuring waves is really annoying for the enemy team. You can do so much stuff with a creep equilibrium. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you enjoy playing Clockwork more and it's more of your play style and you feel like it fits just what's required in your games, feel free. But uh, I would I would recommend seeing what pros are doing on Earthshaker and seeing if you're missing any of that and then giving it a, another try. Just because I think it's really good. I think it's a really solid hero. And it's always a solid hero. It's like the most picked hero at any TI. It might be the most solid hero in all of Dota. Yeah, it's extremely good. That's for sure. Uh, real quick question from chat. DBY says, what are the trademarks of the best support players? I would say Foresight is is my my number one category. 
my, my number one quality is being able to understand what is about to happen before it happens and position yourself or, you know, ward or get resources or, you know, make the rotation that needs to happen before it actually happens. Yeah, a lot of the time supports need to know about other roles. Like they need to have a very good understanding of the game in general because yeah. that's because you're the whole point. I mean, it's in the name. You're supporting these other roles. So if you know what they want and when they want it, then you can do your job the best. So, yeah, I mean, I would agree. I would say just general knowledge of the game and foresight probably are the big ones. Uh, Indy says, two-part question, one general, one related, but hero-specific. Question one, it often happens in 1-2K to games that the enemy team, either side, has its bot tier 2 gone and they're still mid and or top tier 2s and Roche to take. I cannot stop my team from playing bot. We're owning three quarters of the map, but they're trying to farm our side, uh, get a pick or push tier threes. Am I the idiot here trying to get everyone else to play uh, the easier objectives, or am I probably right? Tips on getting them to comply. If they don't, just fuck it. You You cannot get people to go to you. And here's the thing. If you are playing in the enemy safe lane, and it is the right place to play, and your team is playing in your jungle, then either you get objectives there, and you get tower damage there, and you get farmed there because your team is making space, or you're making space for them. I would So basically, uh, I would rather see one person play in the correct place than nobody play in the correct place. Because if you're playing in the offlane, you can just TP your team if some important fight happens. That's fine. Just save your TP. Just don't use your TP like a dumbass, and then you're good. Yeah, I would say the only the only situation where it's not correct to do the correct thing when your team is not doing the correct thing is if you can't be where they are. If 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 you can't be where they are when a fight breaks out, if you are strong enough to win said fight, because I think not being as five when you guys are strong enough to be as five and win fights as five is worse than maybe having like better lane pressure or playing around a more important objective. Because if you guys should be as five, you should be as five basically for the rest of the game. Yeah, I agree. I agree, which can be accomplished with a TP often. Right. If, if, if by one person, usually it's like one or two people can be split. And even that's a little, usually you want four and then one person split and then the one person TPs. And it's usually the carry, but hey, it's pubs. They're crazy. Yep. Uh, Second question, I spam like an offlane a bit recently. I usually win the lane, beating even 3v2s because I'm basically smurfing on my main on this son of a bitch, being in the potato bracket. Uh, once I take the tier 1, I'll often have a free pass to take their tier 2. Top as Radiant, I think this is okay, but for some reason, I tend to get a lot of dire games as offlane like, and I'm not sure if taking bot tier 2 is that great since the carry tends to just get free farm. Uh, so the specific question, what is the best course of action after I take tier one bot as dire wolf rat run at the mid lane with your ulti? I think just run at the mid tower, push the enemy mid off of mid and then, and then take the mid tower. I don't, I don't see what else there really is. I, I would say like the tier two, a lot of the time falls in the time that you should be taking the tier one. Uh, the tier twos have split shots. So it's really hard to push that as like, and it just kills your units. It's a really good way to feed your units and lose momentum i would say you go mid as soon as you take the tier one 
uh, as soon as you have your ulti up, you just walk mid and just press your ulti and then scare them away. And they take the tower. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what else there is. I think after you take the tier one as an offlaner, generally you should take uh, the mid lane, unless you're some beastmaster and can really easily get the tier two. But usually it's just easier to like chill in the jungle and then go mid with, with an ability like like an alter beastmaster roar. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to run directly there, but you can also you just farm your your way yeah, there, just farm your way, way there, there exactly, or or farm like the the camp's kind of close and slash behind it, and then just move in with your ult yeah. or whenever your team pushes oh, in. A lot of the time, what I'll do is I'll just I'll literally just farm I'll just farm near mid. That's what I do. I'll right. just I'll just go to the camps near mid. If somebody walks in, I kill them, then I take mid. Uh, if somebody doesn't walk in, then I'll just keep farming. Uh, if if the enemy team comes this five and they push me out of there, well, guess where I'm going? I'm going back to where my offlane was. I have this free path where there's no enemy tower that I can just walk that way and and be fine. Uh, farming camps near objectives is one of the most high-skill things, actually, you can do. Watch Sumail. He does that a lot, mm -hmm. uh, where he'll, he'll farm camps nearest to the place where he'd most like an opportunity to happen. And then it either does, and he gets some sick shit happen. He gets a kill. He gets an objective. Or it doesn't happen, and then in that case, well, he's farming camp still. Right. You know, it's it's pretty it's really basic when you when you it's simple when you think about it in those terms. He's like basically but, setting himself up to get lucky by giving himself the opportunity to get lucky often, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. It's like it's like so he's farming the same amount of camps that you are, but he's farming camps nearest to the place where he can get lucky. Right. So he has a higher percentage chance of getting lucky in games, and eventually, it happens. You give yourself enough chances. Right. Poopy Pants Boy says, I'm finding very few situations where Nullifier is useful and I consider it pretty much dog shit. I agree. Uh, what are your opinions on it? Do you think it would be a better item if it could also be used on teammates to work like Sark's Dark Pact? Yes, that would be very good. That would be sick. I agree. I think it's also a dog shit item. I have not found myself needing to go for it at all in the in the new patch. I, I think Nullifier Bloodthorn combo being removed was quite questionable i don't know i think it's pretty bad what about you donnie um i'm just reading it again because I, I kind of forgot what just, the changes it just were but... it just purges it's like yeah. pur it just permanently purges yeah it seems like it's only good against very specific heroes necro Hagudo. yeah maybe i mean 80 damage is a lot it is but uh is it enough to justify? And the answer is usually probably not. Do they update it to be 80 damage? Is that... Yeah. It's 80 damage, 8 armor, and 6 HP regeneration. So the stats on it are pretty good, I would say. Yeah. I actually yeah. I do like the stats. The stats are definitely good. Um, I mean, 80% slow is, is pretty good. It, it's always had that, though. I think it, it kind of makes sense on a hero like Ricky, basically, because it's kind of like the the Diffusal Blade to some extent. It's like a Diffusal Blade replacement, maybe, except Diffusal Blade is just too good on the hero to ever get rid of most of the time. I don't know. It seems very, very situational. What is there to dispel is the question. Like, there's not much to dispel. It's it's basically only good against, like, Ghost Scepter and stuff with, like, Crimson Guard, maybe, or Pipe. Yeah, but then like that. at that point, there's... there's like abyssals and stuff like that people in abyssals insane you know like, right 
Yeah. I think Nullifier will probably be broken in like a patch or two. Yeah, from now. it needs a couple. It needs a couple more patches before it seems really useful. It, it might be okay on a hero like PL, for example, where you could just dispel somebody who's constantly going ghost after. I will say that Force Staff is dispellable now. So if you dispel them while they're Force Staffing, they stop instantly. Uh, Glimmer Cape also dispellable. So it's definitely Dude, like that, a support I, that item, item is garbage. Yeah. That item is garbage. Force Staff is so bad. But this this is basically like a support killing item, from what I can tell. Expensive. Yeah. For that, for for doing that. Right. Uh, okay, so Slorical says tips on going high ground, especially as a support. I almost exclusively play position five, and in these scenarios, I feel like I'm at the mercy of my core's diving or something else. I'd even be interested in pause fives that are good at going high ground. Okay. So how the hell do you high ground? As a five. As a five, Jakiro Shadow Shaman. There you go, Pugna. Yeah, yeah, Jakiro Shadow Shaman. Nice heroes for five. Pugna, Pugna is okay. That hero's broken. He's probably a fine five just because he's so busted. Yeah. Um, I think that Shadow Shaman five is actually pretty good. I think it's not that great as a four, but it's, I think it's those are both five. Those are both good heroes. Those are all really good heroes. Um, how do you stop your cores? Once again, I I I really think like. This whole idea of trying to get your cores to do shit that they're not going to do just doesn't get you anywhere in Dota. Yep. You're not going to stop them from doing the stupid shit that they're doing. Just make sure that you're the one that you're playing well. If your team dives and it's fucking stupid, then don't do it. Yeah. You know, don't throw whatever you can on them when it's safe. The moment it becomes unsafe, say, okay, I'm out of here. And then play carry for the rest of the game. Like, you, eventually you'll just get so huge because... The, your team is diving like morons that you can carry the game and that's fine that happens plenty in pro matches that's i'm not advocating you for for you to play shit dota in order to win in a low bracket like if 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 you get huge and you're a pro and you're a position five you will go to position four you might even play like a position three because your game is so good that's yeah. that's just how that's just how it works and somebody else will take on the role of buying the wards buying sentries things like that yeah i mean it, it you definitely don't just like stop communicating you can still ask people to come but if they don't don't tilt and and don't like yeah. continue to ask them just do what needs to be done if they're not going to be there and and adapt to the fact that they're not going to be there you're right i agree i agree like you can always try i think you st always start with trying but yeah if they if they don't don't lose sleep over it once again it goes back to that concept we talked about like in alchemy answers ago of 40% of your games are just going to be unwinnable. And to to try to think about how could I have controlled my teammates in those games is such a waste of your of your brain power. You'd rather spend that energy on something else, like controlling the impact you are actually having on the game. Yep. Okay. Vridge Vakten. Ah, for fuck's sake. She told me how to pronounce that last time. I'm not going to remember. Uh, similar to my question from last week about picking offlane-ish heroes as support, Donnie, I have set... Uh, Several hundred games on support heroes that I enjoy playing. Lion, sorry Jenkins, I'm, I do not accept your apology. Lich, Jakiro, and my overall win rate on all three is mid to low 40s. I've gone from Legend 4 to Divine 2 this season. Congratulations. Uh, stop picking Lion, you'll be immortal. Uh, and don't want to drop uh, by trying to improve as 4-5, but I strongly prefer ranked roles to get a lot of 4-5 games when I queue for all roles to gain charges. My question is, how should I go about improving at a secondary role 
that I'm several several hundreds of MMR worse at. Not really a fan of unranked slash turbo since they can be more clowny, inconsistent. Yeah, I think those are dog shit. Then ranked. See, this is why this is why people advocate smurfing is that it's such a competitive advantage to have a smurf to practice on. Yeah. So as somebody who hates queuing into smurfs and it pisses me off, I would say like smurfing is is shit and you're bad for doing it or whatever. But then as somebody who also is very competitive and wants to get 8k and wants to play in that Dota League next year, possibly, I'm smurfing because I want to win on my main. I want to have my rank as high as possible. So you people want to get picked up. I want to get picked up, possibly. I want people to yeah. look at my rank and be like, oh, he's pr pretty decent. I'll play with him. Boom. 3000 US dollars in my bank account, possibly. A lot of money. <laughs> pretty right. serious stuff uh, on the table here. So, yeah, I would say I would advocate go for it. Smurf. Whatever. <laughs> it's a competitive advantage, honestly. If you don't do it, other people are going to. Until yeah. Valve takes a 100% stance on this and bans it for everybody, you, you, you either do it or people are going to do it to you. It's some yeah. prisoner's dilemma bullshit, you know? I don't think betraying somebody's cool, but you throw a prisoner's dilemma in front of me. I've taken math classes. I know the person that betrays takes an advantage. I'm going to fucking betray. I know yeah. the prisoner's dilemma. So, yeah, go for it, dude. I'm advocating smurfing officially. Yeah. Valve, please, please make some make an official statement and ban smurfs. And then I will say it's don't do it. Yeah. Alternatively, you can do what I did and lose your sanity. For a month and figure out what your second best role is and then play that <laughs> but you'll probably lose a lot of mr like for me i've been i told you about the spreadsheet that jcg helped me make dude i've i've gotten how many games uh 167 games since the 17th so almost a full month of playing and i was down about 600 MMR about the midway period. And now I'm back up about 600 MMR. But you know what happened? If I look at my games, I've got 63% win rate as a position five. I've got 43% win rate as a position four. Got a 50% win rate as position three, 40% win rate as position two, and 30% win rate as position one. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna queue for five, four, and three, because that's going to allow me to have permanent roll queue tokens. And I'm always going to have a winning win rate with those three combined. Like if this data were to continue going forward, my, my four win rate is a lot lower than it should be in my opinion, because I was picking all sorts of random heroes. And now that I've zeroed in on like the three or four fours that I want to play over and over, it's gone up a lot. So I would say that if I just play five, four, and three, like for the next three months, I'll probably gain about a thousand MMR because I'm no longer picking two or one and losing tons of MMR in, in those games. I have similar win rates on the shit rolls. Very bad. I have like 20% win rate as mid. It's not good. It yeah. is not. Anytime somebody's trying to put me mid, I'm like, I'll go mid, man. I'm not trying to throw this game, but yeah, it's also throwing by me going mid. Yeah, so exactly. You guys probably want to give me off lane. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm saying you're better than me at mid. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, okay. So, answering the question, going back, I would definitely advocate just smurfing to learn stuff. Um, or commit to lose a bunch of MMR. That's also fine. Yeah, if you don't either care. Either one. You have to, there's no other 
Uh, there's no other options, though. Unranked is a joke. You're right. It's a complete joke. Nobody takes it seriously. I've been playing a lot of unranked lately. Yep. Next question. Rage said, what is the best thing to do when you're getting destroyed in lane early on as a position five? On the same note, how do I not feed in Vince Scepter's games? He's mad at me. I just fed in his game. Okay. So on pause five, if you're getting destroyed in lane, the answer is to single pull the easy camp constantly off cooldown. Do that. And what's going to happen is either the position four comes over and starts hitting you. And then you're like, hey, don't do that to me. That hurts. Stop that. And then your carry's like, yay, I'm free farming now. Or you pull it and then it pushes a double wave into the enemy team. And then the enemies try to go on you. And then the two range creeps beat the living shit out of them. And then your carry's like, yay, I'm getting kills. One or the other. Just single pull the easy camp. Double waves are good when you're getting pressured. Yeah, also, um, buy a bunch of extra regen and just endure. <laughs> like, stop thinking about winning the lane and just endure oh, yeah. the punishment. Like, you know, there's there's a reason that Rope-A-Dope is known as, like, one of the greatest tactical wins of all time in boxing because it was literally just Muhammad Ali letting somebody who is a much stronger puncher than him wear himself out by just taking a bunch of punishment but like reducing the effect of it by sitting up against the ropes and letting the ropes absorb a bunch of the damage as well. And then when the guy was tired, he punched him in the face and won. It's like literally what you do is you just have twice as much regen as you think you need to. And the other team will not buy regen because they're winning the lane. They're going to buy items. Dude, Donnie, I got to interrupt you. I'm telling you, that's the next video for your channel. Yeah. That that would get so many views. That is a great analogy. That is a fantastic analogy. Because right. at a certain point in the laning stage, you will get you will have enough levels that they won't be able to just keep owning you. Yeah. And you have to survive until you get that XP. But that's a good analogy. There you go. That's your video. All right. I'll do it. I'll do it. But I'm gonna finish the analogy first because I just wanna I wanna finish this thought. So basically what's gonna happen is the team that's ahead will not buy more regen because they're winning. They're not losing their regen, but they will lose the regen over time. And if you have twice as much regen as they do, your regen of your twice as much will run out at about the same time as their regen will run out. And you might even have extra because you should still be trying to take trades with them, knowing that you have all this extra regen in reserve. And so by the time you have burned through all of their regen, they will have, you know, maybe they'll have phase boots and a bracer and part of a Vanguard or something like that. But you know what you'll have? You'll have the exact same levels and experience as them, but you'll also have an additional like a thousand health because you'll have a couple salves. So you can just take a trade with them and then you use your salve and then you take another trade with them and then you use your salve and suddenly you have full health and they have 20% health. And even though they've been owning you for seven or eight minutes, they have to leave the lane and you don't. Boom, you've won the lane. Yep, couldn't have said it better myself. Vin Scepter says, yo, Jenks and Dawn. Rage just putting putting Vince Scepter. Anyway, it's just so funny. They ask right after each other when he just feeds in his game. Uh, okay, how are you supposed to play when you're playing AM and they have your old like, spirit breaker that just wants to come for your balls every second? It's hard. It's hard. Uh, you just... It's harder. I mean, it's definitely... That's the thing is it's harder. You just... 
split push in ways where you show for a second and then TP elsewhere, or you let them let them charge you, but be so far away that it's not worth it for them to go on you. Like if if yeah. if you're on the opposite side of the map from the enemy team and Spirit Breaker charges you, do you give a shit? He's gonna show up and you're like, all right, I got bashed once, time to blink away. You know, you'll be fine. Um, if they rotate everybody to you, then you blink away, TP out to the other side of the map, and then all of a sudden you just did your job as a carry. So it really just comes down to basically doing the regular carry thing, except it's your mistakes are amplified in these games. Because if you ever are wrong about them not being on, on a certain side of the map and the Spirit Breaker charges you and people are there, you feed. So basically in those situations, you just have to be really confident and in, in your ability to read where the enemy team is and just be really careful about it. That's all. That's yeah. really the only answer. Basically, instead of caring about the Spirit Breaker, I think you just care about where the other heroes are because a Spirit Breaker is not going to solo kill an anti-mage. Never going to happen. So if the other heroes that can follow up after the Spirit Breaker charges you are there on the map, then you're fine. Spirit Breaker can charge you all he wants and you can just blink away and no problem. But if you know the Clop or the Sven or whoever else is also missing, then you should probably pay attention to that. Yeah, that's definitely more important. I fed, he fed, we both feed. They're both just <laughs> big feeds happening in these games. Sparky23 says, When I was playing position one, how do you make space for yourself in lower ranked games? There are weird scenarios where I find myself running around for one to two minutes without any gold gained because everyone's run a, uh, running around, wave clearing and farming jungle. Sometimes I walk towards a lane, uh, someone TPs and clears the waves. Was, oh, fuck, that's annoying. Clears the waves that I was supposed to take. Sometimes even communicating doesn't work, but sometimes I end up stealing a win by turtling the whole game. I'm pretty sure it's more of a low rank thing, but are games like that pretty much a lost cause? How should a pause one itemize in scenarios where the gold is going everywhere but your direction? Just keep looking, well, man, and get there I, faster. I would, get there faster, yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I would say it, it's, it's very rarely the case that there actually isn't gold on the map in yeah. Dota 2. Very rarely, especially in a 3100 MMR game. Yeah. I guarantee you that I could, if you could give me a pinpoint a specific situation where it looks like there's no farm, I could point you to a camp or to a lane that's free. It, it just requires you to, I would just say go into your replay of a game where you felt like there was no farm and pause the game at a certain point and really theory craft. Okay, how, where is their farm? Where is nobody farming? And how could I get there? Sometimes you need to smoke. Sometimes you need to quelling blade through trees. You need to get creative, but carries, really good carries will get creative because even if there is farm on your side of the map, you should be taking the most aggressive farm possible. Yep. So that's why really if you're playing, if you're playing carry right, then it shouldn't matter whether people are stealing your farm or not because it should be the same farm that you're taking. Yeah. Um, otherwise, otherwise, if, if, if you can't take aggressive farm, which I think most of the time you can, and usually people just aren't being creative in their solution for how to get to that aggressive farm. Right. If you can't, then just go literally hit the creeps, the same creeps that your people are farming. Then they'll get pissed off, they'll leave the lane, and then good job. You basically just got got your wish by bothering them. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I okay. mean, really, that's... And I, I just want to reiterate, I guarantee you, that one of the reasons you're experiencing this problem is because you're just not fast enough getting to the farm that you're supposed to be taking. Like most of the time, 
that a carry has gotten upset at me as a support for pushing a lane is because they were AFK hitting creeps directly next to our base when they should have been pushing the enemy creeps into their base. And it's like, well, if you were here, I would not be taking this farm, but you're not here. So I'm taking this farm. Yeah. Yep. I think that's pretty reasonable. Sparky23 says, ooh, another question. I love the emotion. Just writing, <laughs> ooh. Capital O, lowercase O-H. Uh, I can hear the inflection when I read it. Or is, uh, it, or is it a sexy, like, ooh. ooh. No, that would be like, <laughs> oh, 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 H. Okay. Ooh. With like a one uppercase O in there. Uh, how do I protect the pull as a position one? You did say earlier that cores have to protect the pull, but how exactly does a position do that, position one, do that without compromising farm? It's really easy. Stand to the left of the creep wave if you're radiant, and if you're dire, stand to the right of the creep wave. Literally just position your body such that you're closer to the pull than the enemy team. And if they walk over to try to contest it, you whack them. And if they don't walk over, which usually they won't because they'll have to run through you, you just keep hitting creeps. It's all about what side of the lane you're playing on. A lot of people don't think about that. They just think every side of the lane is equivalent, but it's not. You need to play between your support and the wave if you're if they're pulling. It's your job to protect them for that. And sometimes sometimes you'll watch pro carries and they will literally sacrifice farm in order to let the pull get off because it's worth it. Yeah, I agree. You weren't listening to me, Donnie. You were memeing in chat. I see your message. Listen, man, we had this conversation during a replay review. We need to bring Twitch chat to YouTube chat. So I'm going to need to see way more emojis than have been used so far. I know we don't have lull. We don't have Keck W. We don't have wide people, wide, small, whatever, sad people, wide, or whatever it is. But we do have a bunch of really amazingly hilarious Google emotes, and you should be using them as much as possible when you communicate with us in chat. Yes. Oh, God, it's beginning. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, uh, Peeps979 says, I know you guys haven't made yet the position 4 tier list soon, uh, but would you consider Willow as S tier 4 right now? Also, is Willow a good uh, flex first pick? I would say Willow's like A tier. I don't know about S tier. Yeah, definitely not four. S, but pretty good. I think Willow's a great hero, though. I think she's in a really good spot. She's sitting at a pretty high win rate on Dota 2 Pro Trial for 55%. Win rate. So yeah, she's pretty solid. Pretty solid. But there are bro more broken heroes for sure. In pause for. Yep. Uh, really good hero though. Uh, okay. So yeah, great, great. Uh, well, not a not a good flex pick. More of a Mario pick, I would say. Like a hero, you can just have it in any game, and you're Gucci. Yeah. You're good. Definitely. You can also try and and combo with certain ones. You know, like a Puck or a Mars or something like that. But. It, Willow's S tier rule thirty four hero. This is true. This is true. Ever since that uh copy pasta, dude, that bot is ridiculous. Which bot? The oversight bot. Oh, is it any time that Willow is mentioned? No, it's any time somebody says oversight, oversight, or greatest oversight in Reddit. It has a different see, copy pasta. I yeah. <laughs> I see that that that's that's a good copy pasta. Uh Alduin says, any tips on try and recover lanes as a position one when your support insists on fighting or chain feeds making the lane unplayable, especially heroes that suck at jungling? Uh, yeah, don't pick heroes that suck at jungling. Every carry can basically jungle right now. I feel like 
what carries suck at jungling that are good right now? Anti-Mage? That's kind of the only one that I can think of. I don't even know if I would recommend playing that hero to win in most brackets either. I would say just pick Wraith King, TB, Naga, PL, and go hit jungle when your support's being an idiot. And then it's fine if they're an idiot, because if they're being an idiot solo in a lane, 1v2, well, that hero's supposed to be feeding anyway, right? So you're turning their feeds into something productive. I think you have to jungle. If you can't jungle, God only knows. God only knows what you do. Go pull yourself. Be the support until you can jungle. That's it. That's it. Are you memeing in chat, Donnie? Oh, sorry. I had my mic muted. I've been talking for the last two minutes. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say that professional Ricky is kind of the only one that I would consider to be a good carry that can't jungle right now. And if you're ever in that situation where your support is just complete trash, just support yourself. Like, even if it means that you have half the farm that you would normally have in a good game where you're being supported, it's better than having no farm. Better than having to jungle at, you know, 50 gold per minute speed <laughs> than, yeah. than the alternative, right? There's no, there's no like, magic button. There's no golden ticket. If, if a lane's not being supported by a support, then a carry has to do it because there's a reason that everybody does that, you know? It's, yeah. it's just mathematically very efficient. So if, if you need your offlaner, if you need to, as an offlaner, go support your carry, probably fine. Well, okay, that's a very extreme analogy. We get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's very important. Yep. Zoko says, I don't like meta heroes. I almost exclusively play Pango offlane, but I'm losing many games this month. Can you recommend me a different offlaner similar to Pango? All right, I'm going to take a wild guess and say on Pango offlane, you're building Diffusal and that sort of <laughs> shit, and that's probably why you're losing with it, because it's actually a good offlaner if you go for Vlad's, Pipe, Greaves, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, but with that being said, if you want something that's similar to Pango, um, well, he's just like a team fighting void kind of spirit. very active. Yeah, Void Spirit's good. Sand King. Um, let's see. I just recommend that you play mid instead. That's <laughs> my advice. Clockwork. Clockwork is like Pango. You just fight off cooldown with your hook. And don't kill creep waves. Kill heroes. Oh, Pango can kill creep waves. Yeah, I'll give you the advice that Gunner gave to Luki Luki. Play mid. Because <laughs> you're playing carry slash mid from the offlane otherwise. Well, I think I think you can I th I think you can just build offlane items. I don't know why people are so this is the thing. I don't know why with certain heroes people are so fucking obsessed with go going certain skills and items. Like for a long time I saw people play tiny offlane and everybody was like, Oh Jenkins, tiny offlane is so bad. And then they go like blink echo saber and it's yeah. Do you, do you ever go Beastmaster Echo Saber? Like, who plays offlane and builds an Echo Saber? It's like, <laughs> oh, it's tiny. You have to go Echo Saber. And I remember there was a patch there that I had like an 80% win rate with tiny offlane because I was going I was going pipe and flads and stuff like that. And then people would go on me in fights and I would survive it because I had 4,000 HP, <laughs> 20 armor, right. and like shitloads of resistances and super fast. And it's like, oh, how do we kill this guy? You can't because I have actual offlane items instead of an Echo Saber like an idiot. <laughs> so I don't know. I just I, I feel like Pango is one of those heroes that people obsess over going like the sa exact same item build right. in every game. And it's just there's so many other things you can do with it. Vessel, Vlad's, Crimson, tons of shit. 
Yeah, people people are still going like Battle Fury Rush and Ember Spirit and, and losing. Pros don't know how to play this hero. This hero is bad. Yeah. It's like, okay. That... Well, there's a reason that they're going for like Spirit Vessel instead of Battle Fury now. I, I found <laughs> the same thing was the same thing was happening with uh, Boots of Travel Ember when that hero first mm-hmm. was super popular. Was that everybody was going bots and then it was bad and people started picking it and going like phase. And and then it was good, but then people in pubs kept going bots and being utterly useless because it gives you zero stats, costs a shitload of money, and gives you like nothing for people like lose lanes because they wouldn't have right. phase and and um wraith bands and things like that because they just straight save for bots because that was the original build because it's more fun to do that build. Right, it's more fun but less game winning. That's always the problem is when it's fun but but uh not game winning. Then right. everybody gets stuck to stuck to that build. It's like people that refuse to go treads first on anti mage because they want to rush the straight battle fury because they just want to hit creeps as soon as possible. It's like just because you impulsively feel the greed to do something doesn't mean you're going to get away with it right. because you you will it to to be okay. You know you can't make something that's that's happening not happen because you want it so badly. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, it's everybody just builds damage, right? Because they just want to kill people. They don't want to. They don't want to do anything other than just like kill people in team fights. It's not really that fun to some people. I I find it extremely fun to just be annoyingly tanky. I find that incredibly fun because people are going on you wasting spells, and you're just like pipe, haha, crimson. Uh, I have fifty armor. You're running. You're running at me. I'm just kiting you. This is super fun for me. But most people think that's boring because they're not like. There's not like a big red number that says 1500 damage, you know, there's no rampage at the top of the screen. Like, no, I just absorbed 73,000 damage this game. How about that? That's like 80% of the damage that was done to our team. Can you say that? Nope. But you probably don't care. I can. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. I do. Run and feed. That shit's fun, man. It is. It is. I enjoy it. Uh, Crave says, this is not a question per se. I wanted to uh, let you guys know that since I subscribed like two weeks ago, I gained 600 MMR. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I love these positive reviews. Uh, and now I am four wins away from reaching Immortal for the first time ever. And your content is specifically how to tie every lane slash when to creep cut videos have been a big part of it. Keep up the good content. Hell yeah, dude. I love the positive reviews. So- Please recommend my co- coaching, coachbin.com slash Jenkins. Hell yeah. $50 an hour. <laughs> no problem. I'm, just I'm not doing coaching right now, but. Me neither. Please, Taking a week please, off. Please give me money for things. I require money. By the way. Good positive reviews. We're, we're 25 viewers away from 500. Share the stream. Get more people in here. Let's fucking go. Let's get have 500. We ever, We've never hit we 500 ever, before. No. I don't, I don't think so. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're close. I wonder if it's like if you get to a certain threshold, it starts pumping you up to like people who don't play Dota or I don't know, maybe shares to people who aren't subscribed. I have no idea. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we'll start getting featured on PewDiePie's content. That would be dope. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, okay, Crave also actually did ask a question. Said, are you guys going to make an advanced creep cutting guide? I would love to see that. Uh, maybe, maybe. The thing is, the thing is, this is this is like just a YouTube general thing uh with very specific content it doesn't tend to get a lot of views even though it would be very useful for people that are because you know this like creep cutting thing is only very high mmr players care about that or people who are like specifically looking to learn most dota players are pretty casual compared to like people that watch our channel people that watch our channel want to get better but that's like 
10% of people. And then even less of a percent of people are offlaners and even less of a percentage of people than that are uh, people who care about creep cutting. You know what I mean? So it's, yep. it's a weird, you could title and thumbnail it correctly for sure, but that's definitely a big influence on just being totally real with you. That's a big influence on what determines the sort of content that we make is just based on, you know, paying rent <laughs> and stuff like that. Like what is, what, what can appeal to both people who want educational content and casual content. That's why I love doing the Herald video. I, f- I feel like that, that's like the perfect medium if yeah. we could improve on that. I mean, if I were to go back in, in like our old YouTube videos like a year ago or something like that, there are some in there that I would consider to be the best videos we've ever made. And you know how many views I have? 12,000. Yeah. 9,000. <laughs> but they're so incredibly important to being good at Dota, but nobody sees them because nobody's clicking. Nobody's searching for those terms. Nobody cares enough about the game. Or, or people do, but not enough to make it possible to get to the top of the algorithm, which is kind of all that matters in terms of getting our... our the algorithm. algorithm. Yes. Moo Moo Meadows or Feed. Is that a is that a Fortnite reference? I don't know. Moo Moo Meadows? What is that? Moo Moo Farm is from Mario Kart. Is that... Uh... Oh, it is Mario Kart. It is Mario Kart. It's oh I knew I I knew I I recognized the uh uh what's it called the name but I wasn't sure I fucking hate Moo Moo Meadows dude that shit was so hard you run into the cows and stuff that's so annoying okay anyway uh it's been so long since I played Mario Kart what a great game Ola is so good Ola homies recently I have been picking beefy lane dominating style offlaners but I sometimes feel like the lane. Uh, still goes south rather quickly, and I end up being the one getting bullied. Are there any ways to help regra- regain the aggressor position in the lane? Not usually. Not usually. Uh, usually when you fall off as an offlaner, you can't really go back to being aggressive unless you have people behind you. I truly feel like I'm doing something wrong here, but it could also just be how aggro carries tend to be in my bracket. I feel like an extra creep to them sometimes uh, where the enemy position one and five both run me down a lane and constantly go as far as di- diving to kill me. Love you guys, by the way. XOXOXO. Thank you. Many XOs back to you. My mom always does that. She writes the X, just the Xs, though. She's like XXXX. It's like, mom, don't say that to me. You don't I, know what that is. I, I think um, basically what it comes down to is something we've already kind of talked about, which is that if you are in a lane that is not beneficial to you because you're not having a good time, you can just avoid playing the lane, and that's what you should be doing. So don't just continue to play into a lane that's owning you. At the creep wave, go jungle, you know, push the wave out, go jungle, that kind of stuff. Pull. There's there's a lot of options. You you never have to play a lane that's bad. Yeah. Never. Agreed. Agreed. And yep, you the, the the way that you come back into an aggressor position is by cutting the wave and farming neutrals as well and getting a, a huge net worth influx from that. There's no way you can all the, there's no crazy laning tricks that you can do to make the creeps give you more gold than they already do. So yep. if you're in a lane that's not 50, if they're beating you in the lane and you stay there, you're, you're never going to come back to even because they're beating you, right? It's like the, it's already been tipped in one direction. However, if you cut the wave and you start farming the neutrals as well, well, then you can get your, get a, a gold advantage on the enemy carry. And then you could possibly take the aggressor position. But the reason I say that it usually doesn't happen is because when you cut the wave like that, usually you do it for like two to three minutes. I think if you play the lane to the point where you can't aggress and then you cut the wave, it's going to be like five or six minutes in by the time you're done and mm-hmm. ready. 
And then at that point, you don't want to play like an aggressor anyway, um, because there'll be like three heroes there. Or you do want to play like an aggressor because you have three heroes there. Yep. You know, like the game is just not in laning anymore at that point. So that's why usually it doesn't happen and you just go and get farm yourself. But they're going to farm as well. Yep. Garuda says, was trying to learn Queen of Pain based on your tier list and watched three top 100 replays, but they're all position four or five. Yeah, people are doing that a lot now. Uh, they built Basilius into Vlad's Bracer and Blade Mail and took the 10 strength at level 10. Is this viable? Yeah, definitely viable. I, Queen of Pain is great in every role. She's ridiculous. Dude, is I, it a good early pick that can flex mid or support? Yes. And I just want to say, like, that concept that's happening right now where they take a hero that does nothing but output damage, and then they just build tanky items and take the tanky talents, there you go. You've solved the one issue she has, which is that she's squishy. She's a glass cannon, and then you solve the issue of being a glass cannon, but she still does all the damage that she already did, and you have a broken hero. Like, that's that's generally how Dota works, and that's why... We continue to harp on it. Just build a BKB as a carry. Just build a BKB as one of these heroes that like cannot do anything without a BKB. Most of the time, a hero that needs a BKB already does all the damage necessary, right? PA. You don't really need anything. You do 400 damage crit, 400% damage crits. You can build like BKB, SNY, Satanic. Three very tanky items, three very survival items, and you're still going to end up critting for over a thousand damage. Yeah, blade mail, ridiculous item, BKB, ridiculous item. That's the thing is like these heroes are just broken. Their their spells are just broken. All you need to do usually is pick up one thing to nullify that, and then they're just insane. Yep. Uh, Jenkins, you beautiful hair. Vince is still being really mean to me for feeding. Your hair is very beautiful, however, Jenkins. Oh my god, please keep giving me these hair comments. <laughs> Dude, my dad my dad is like, you need to, son, you need to sh you need to cut your hair. You need to have a respectable looking head. My dad always made me cut my hair when I was growing and then, up. And then and then I get these comments. People are like, Dude, your locks are flowing. And it's like, well shit, I can't cut it now. People are making they, I, I don't get I don't get compliments on anything else. What are people gonna say? My eyes are nice. That I have nice cheekbones. What? What else is there? Type nice diet Pepsi. Give me addiction. Give me a, a dab emote in chat if you want to see Jenkins with braids. Give me a stay-at-home YouTube emote if you want Jenkins to shave his head. In chat right now. I feel like the long hair is part of my identity now. Like I, 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 I identify too much with being the guy that has long hair. What's uh what's the next question? That's it. We're done. Oh, we're done. All right. <laughs> Look at all those dabs in chat. Oh my god. <laughs> Dota Jesus Jenkins. <laughs> I, I've said this before, but in, in high school, I got called Baby Jesus because my brother had long hair and he looked like Jesus. So they, people called him Jesus, and I was Baby Jesus. All right, Samuel Ribeiro, you've been spamming this question for about 45 minutes. <laughs> give, give it to <laughs> How many heroes should we focus on spamming slash mastering in order to gain MMR? Just start with one and actually master it and then expand out from there you probably don't need very many look at lukey lukey no offense to him 9k player one hero pool at 9k 
Still a pretty good 6-7k MMR player with several other heroes, however. He's losing his fucking mind lately, though, honestly. <laughs> He's losing it. Alright, guys. Uh, that is it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in.